0: We all know, to increase your odds of success, you need to increase your knowledge. With Audible.com, it's never been easier. Go to audibletrial.com unstoppable to get your free 30-day trial today and become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Ned Elliott. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess I guess you could say that. You know, we're a little, uh, little under the weather here in, in Austin, just um, oh, with man. Well, I'm my daughter, you, man. and then also this, the fact that it's been raining and gray, oh. cold for like maybe eight ten days straight now, which is, you know, sort of a cool. drag down here when it's mainly hot and sunny.
0: It just makes me appreciate you that much more for taking the time to come on the show and to share your story and advice. I cannot wait to dive into it. Uh, So let me just give a quick introduction. Yeah, and I'll I'll give a quick introduction and we'll pass it over to you. And uh, first, I guess Chef Ned Elliott grew up gardening in a home where food played an integral role in daily life. Eager to further his career outside of his schooling at the Culinary Institute of America at Hyde Park, Ned left the CIA to begin staging at various restaurants in New York City. With his craft fine-tuned, and reputation-built. Ned serves as the chef proprietor of Foreign and Domestic in Austin, Texas. Uh, Foreign and Domestic has been featured in Zagat, Eater, Food and Wine Magazine, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and most recently, the Austin Chronicle listed Foreign and Domestic as Austin's Top 100 Restaurants. And uh, on top of all this, uh, Ned, you're also the founder of Indie Chef Week. And I can't wait to learn more about what you're doing with that. But, I mean, you're a busy dude. (laughs) So um, I guess uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know you. But before we dive into the mind of Chef Ned Elliott, let me get a success quote from you to kind of get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. What do you have for us, Chef?
1: I mean, I would say, you know, we sort of do have two here at the restaurant. One is, um, you know, it's our job and duty to make people happy. And then two is attention to detail. You know, and those are sort of the two two most important um, uh, aspects um, of foreign and domestic um, uh, restaurant. And then also, you know, move, moving forward with really with what we do here and then also what we try to do, you know, and, and you know, doing life, you know, that we want to, you know, really focusing on things, and then also just make people happy.
0: Awesome. I mean, it's so important. And, um, you I know, mean, what is the significance to attention to detail? I feel like that's something that comes up often on the show. But, I mean, can you speak to you know the the role that that has on the subconscious of your guests?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, for for myself, um, you know, um, my managers, and also my cooks and servers and um, dishwashers and runners and bussers and everybody that works with me, you know, attention to details has been my mantra. I learned it mm-hmm. um, working at Restaurant DuCasse in New York City um, for the three years that I worked there. And it was the first place that I'd ever, ever heard that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for us, it means, you know, that, you know, you can have like, you know, a small, I remember DuCasse um, himself coming in the kitchen, you know, and he would run his finger underneath the rim of a plate you know and a player would go to the pass and you know, it looks great and all of a sudden he would run his finger on and be like wait a second this place has you know just a slight bit of you know grime, dirt whatever mm-hmm. it is that was unsightly and just didn't feel right you know and you're like oh that makes perfect sense because when I go out to eat you know um, and especially back in those days you know I would take a look and like try to take everything in and when you're you know Going to a restaurant at that level, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just about, hey, I want, you know, I'm getting a burger and fries and trying to put something in my belly. You know, it's, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we try to create an experience. of Absolutely. Domestic. You know, that's one of the things that I've always kept is, you know, attention to detail.
0: Awesome. I love it. It's just the little things that add up over time, that compounding effect. It's so important. So I need to ask you, when did you know that this was going to be your career? Most people get into this industry as a job, but at some point they know that it's no longer going to be a job and they're going to go in all in as a career. And did you, is there a point that you can think of where that happened for you?
1: I think it was somewhere between, um, my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done some cooking in high school, um, started in January of uh, 1991, um, went to college in the fall of 94, and I don't know, there was something, and I was just like, you know what, I'm so sick and tired of, like, studying. You know, it just wasn't for me anymore, yeah. you know, and so it was just like I played sports my entire mm-hmm. life. wanted to, to go and, and, and play sports further and just was like, well, you know what, if I can't study, you know, you can't play. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I'd always gravitated Um, towards the kitchen was that it's like being on a team,
0: Mm.
1: you know, Mm -hmm. and that you just have this, you know, I was actually explaining to my, um, my my CDC, my chef de cuisine the other day, Cable Smith, and we were talking about things like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's uh, being in a kitchen, being in a restaurant is such, um, you know, instant gratification, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the night, you know, it's sort of like playing a game, playing a basketball game or football, or soccer, hockey, whatever, you know, and you're like, you know, if I had sous chefs and chefs and stuff, feel like yeah, we won tonight. You know, great night, guys. We won, yeah. or they're like, oh my good lord, that was <laughs> the worst night of all. We totally lost. You know, and, and yeah. that always stuck with me, and it's always felt not necessarily us against them, but there are times when it's like, okay, we all have to band together. You know, on the line, and it is us against them in the sense of okay, we have you know twenty ticketing, and we have forty five people that want to get fed, and they want to get fed now, and so. You know, you almost use that, like, sort of chip on the sh- chip on your shoulder um, sort of attitude of, like, okay, I have to do this. I'm going to make this the best thing that they ate, and I'm going to get it out as quick as I possibly can. You know, and it's going to be look the best, taste the best, season the best, everything the best. And they're not going to be able to dictate to me that I'm slammed in, in the weeds. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. And so I think that's, yeah, just having that, and I was like, you know, just the, the kitchens that I worked in, and just like, whoa, this just yeah. the rush, the energy during service. Like, this is awesome.
0: Well, I can definitely pick up on your energy. You definitely have it there. And, I mean, I I want to know more about what you got going on currently with Foreign Domestic and also, I mean, what you're trying to to accomplish with this incredible community you're building around Indie Chef Week. What's that all about, too?
1: Yeah, Indie Chefs Week came about. Um, the first one we've, we did was uh, January of 2013. We've now done it three times here in Austin, and then we've also done it once in Costa Mesa, California, mm-hmm. in Orange County. And it came about sort of as you know, an outlet that I thought would be a, an amazing outlet, sort of born out of looking at magazines, periodicals, mm-hmm. sort of the top whatever lists, and also looking at the food and the wine festivals that go around the country each year mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, there has to be more than just these 60, 70, 40, 50, whatever number it is chefs that constantly are doing the same, you know, the same festivals, the same lists, and the same magazines, the mm-hmm. same periodicals, you know, from city to city, region to region, nationally. And so when I opened for a in 2010, one of the sort of advents, one of the things that I was sort of, you know, brought to my attention was social media. Mm-hmm. I went on Facebook because I thought it would be a good way to stay in contact. When I moved here to Austin in 2009, just to... You know, being in contact with friends that I had. I was in New York for 10 years, in Montana for four years, in Portland, Oregon for two years. And it was like, oh, well, there are people, you know, spread all over the place that I'm really good friends with. And then that they have moved as well. And one of the big things was Twitter that came about, opening a restaurant, getting some notoriety, getting, you know, doing, doing what we do and actually, you know, people really digging it which is always great, and people, you know, putting us on best of lists or nominating us for best new chef or whatever it is, you know, from different magazines and things like that and stuff, and all of a sudden get followers from different restaurants. And I think the first person that really stood out to me that I was like, wow, was uh, Ben Suckle. And he now has his own uh, place with his wife um, called Birch in Providence. Um, but before that, I forget the restaurant name. He was at a pretty large restaurant in Providence, and I was like, wow, man, like, never heard of this guy. I've never heard of this restaurant. And, like, just looking at the food on their Twitter feed and then subsequent Instagram, you're like, how are they not just, you know, everywhere? (laughs) This just looks amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, lo and behold, you realize that a lot of it has to do with PR. Mm -hmm. And uh, through my career, I've been, you know, um, been really, really – um, blessed with the help of friends and family and and people really pulling for me and people really you know when it, when it's when the chips are down and stuff and when they're like wow i can't work another yeah 95 hour week could do costs you know talking to my folks and they are been like hey look yeah you can you know this is great what you're doing is amazing like you love doing this mm. and the money will come at some point and you'll be able to you know have a family and you know and all of that stuff and You know, I was like, you know what, I want to be able to give back to and give back to my community that supported me of of chefs and cooks. And so, yeah, so we started out in 2013 and had, um, say, 20 um, chefs participate, and then this year we had 30. Uh, yeah, and- I
0: love it. I really do love it. And I really love how it just, it's about the bigger picture. And I feel like so many restaurants, they fail because they have these walls up and they just don't nice. let people in and they think it, they have to be so secretive. But when you break down those walls and you collaborate and you talk and you, you, uh, not just promote yourself but promote other, you know, craftsmen and uh, really just, you know, uh, like I said, just break down those walls and, uh, let people see how passionate you are about your craft and about your community. It's just, really incredible things can happen and I think we'll learn more about it as we dive into this interview but uh one of the things I've learned chef from interviewing so many incredible people is that there's no such thing as an incredible restaurant there's only incredible people in restaurants and I want to find out what makes you chef Ned Elliot uh awesome like what is your if factor what what you know characteristics <laughs> do you think most contribute to your success
1: I mean, I you know that, that's a hard one. You know, I think that you know for chefs, you know we're we're definitely you know competitive. You know, I think that that's one of the things that's sort of instilled in chefs, or you know you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And also on the flip side of that, I think it's it's also hard. You know, it's very self-effacing. You know, and you know, I um, have no problem being like, yeah, this sucks or that sucks to my own food. Um, I think the big thing is is sort of that you have that thing that you're always looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be um, competitive or, you know, um, paranoia or whatnot. <laughs> is that, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you're just like always like, okay, is this good enough? Is this good enough? Okay, tonight was a slow night. is that, you know, even I'll be, you know, for domestic will be five years, May 20th. And even so, you know, we'll have a slow night. And I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, like tomorrow's going to be slow. And the next day and the next day and the next day, and that's it. Like the tide's have turned, People don't like it anymore. And now we're going to you know go on this sort of slow, long route of you know going out of business mm-hmm. um, and I think that that sort of plays in it too, is that we always have to keep fresh, keep new, but at the same time too it's like not following the trends mm-hmm. you know that's a big thing for us it's not following the trends you know that we not necessarily need to be trend setters we just need to do what we do you know and mm-hmm. just for me it's just cooking great food you know um. And told my uh, my pastry chef the other day, she's pretty young, and I said, "Look, like we can't call your uh, you know your ground um, hazelnut and sort of burnt lentils that you grind into a quote unquote soil. We don't, we're not calling it a soil. We're not that restaurant. We don't yeah. put soils on a plate. We don't have powders." She's like, "What about sand?" And I'm like, hey, "Yeah, no, <laughs> we're not calling it that either. <laughs> you know, we're just gonna call it you know a crumble or a streusel or whatever we want. You know, come up with something. You know, I was like, come up with something." You know, fun. So yeah, we don't want to have sort of the gimmicks and the those things guide us. We just want to say, okay, look, how can we make really good food? And we're always progressing and educating ourselves.
0: Awesome, man. I love it. I mean, uh, I mean, some of the things I just picked up on. I wrote down. You know, you're competitive. You have that attention to detail. I think you said self-reflecting or self-looking in, which is kind of a cool way to put it. Um, and always paranoid. But I know. I think what a lot of people would say is that paranoia is that is instead of thinking as being paranoid, you're always looking to improve and you're always, you know, trying to make it just a little bit better. Cause you know, it's just a matter of yeah. time before that next restaurant's going to come out with something fresh. And you just got to always be looking to, be just a little bit better, and to stay fresh, and to not chase uh, trends, like you said, but to just do what you do and to do it really well. And uh, I mean, yeah. so many great it factors there. And can you just pick maybe one of these it factors and uh, bring us down to a story where one of these it factors really just shown through and to help you get to that next level in your career? Can you think of a moment?
1: I would say, you know, one of the one of the it factors. I mean, it's really. One of the things that I, I instill in my cooks is that, you know, it's got to come from within, and that, that means everything. That showing up on time means that you're 10 minutes early. Mm-hmm. You know, that's got to come from within. Like, I can tell you it once. I can tell you it twice. I can tell you a million times. But if I'm going to tell you a million times, like, you're still not doing it. I don't know. One of the days I was at the concert, we were doing, we'd do doubles on, um, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then just became Thursday, Friday. And so it was basically we had one crew. Everybody did their own prep. Everybody did their own service. And on the double days, you know, a normal day was getting there right around 10, 30, 11 in the morning and leaving right around midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the double days was getting there at somewhere between five thirty 30 and 6. You work until about 4, take off until 5, come back 5, set up your station, have family meal from five fifteen to five forty. And then you go until midnight man. Um, or actually about one o'clock, you know, and then Saturdays, you know, you get out of there about twelve thirty, one thirty, somewhere in there, you know, so it was a good basically 14 to 16 hour day on mm-hmm. um, six days a week, Monday through Saturday. I was in there and I was like talking to a guy who's now my, you know, has been my mentor for many years, Doug Saltis. And he was just like, look, you gotta, it's gotta come from within you, man. I was just like, dude, I'm so tired. I'm so this, I'm so that. And he's like, well, if you want to be here, it's got to come from within you. Like nobody's going to pat you on the back and tell you "great job," because mm-hmm. I mean, you're expected to do a great job every day. You know, and, and my my style over the years has changed from being bad style to, you know, um, not necessarily a cheerleader, but yeah, I like to, you know, give out compliments um, a lot more. Um, and I think it's healthy for people to hear that. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it's sort of like a, you know, almost like an epiphany. You know, you're like. Yeah, no shit like i need to do this like i want to do this so why am i holding myself back by being grouchy tired moving slowly like
0: okay i don't always interrupt a show to point something out but i missed this during the actual interview and I, i picked up with it just now during the editing what chef elliot did there is amazing he like so many successful people have the ability to turn a switch in their head and say, hey, I want to do this. I love doing this. And, you know, I need to do this. And I have the ability to change my attitude. So if you're in that situation where Chef Ned Elliott was, where you're just down and tired, you can turn that switch and say, hey, I want to do this. I need to do this. This is why I exist. And hit that switch and become unstoppable. Back to the show.
1: You know, I always tell people, you know, and cooks and stuff. I'm like, hey, just give me eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 24 hours in a day. You give me eight hours or the 10-hour long. Some of our days are a 10-hour shift. I'm like, it's just 10 hours. You know, like, you can go out, have beers, do whatever you do in your own time when you get out of here. Just give me that that window, that small window, that microcosm so would of you, the day.
0: would you say a lot of it is just being able to have those self-gratifying goals, to be able to know that, you know, your work, your hard work is paying off, you're making somebody else happy, and to know that you can reach down deep inside yourself and have it come from within and just, I mean, I don't know quite <laughs> know where I'm going with this, but,
1: I mean, I think... No, I mean, I think that, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where I think that, you know, especially in, in restaurants where, you know, it's being a cook, like... Um, and especially being in major markets like New York or San, San, mm-hmm. San Francisco or Los Angeles, Chicago, like nobody's going to make a million dollars, mm-hmm. you know, cooking, but you're going to work, you know, be worked to the bone and barely make ends meet. And mm-hmm. so the grat, you know, the sort of the self gratification should be, uh, you like, you know, like there are times in my career, yeah, that I would like make a terrine and then, you know, two days later, you're going to, you know, it's finally set and everything and you slice it and you put it on a plate. You know, and you just, just barely warm your palate knife and go back to, you know, so it gets some of the fat, you know, melts onto it. And you're just like, wow, that's awesome. Oh, and that man, looks beautiful. It. And I know it tastes great. And you're like, yeah, I did that. You know what I mean? And that's just, that's when the gratification, not that, you know, somebody told the chef they had a great plate or the chef told you. It's like that made my day. That, would that like, you know, would make my month at times, awesome. you know.
0: Chef, what I'm getting from you is, is that you're just a super heart-heavy dude, man. Like, you work for those little moments <laughs> that are just self-gratifying, which just keep you going. And it, it could be as little as, you know, like you said, the, the cutting into a tureen or wa- seeing a uh, pleased uh, guests walk out just saying how awesome their experience was. So those are the little things that we have to look forward to and those heart heavy moments and um, that's what I took away from your uh, it factor story. Great stuff. So now what I want you to do, Chef, is to do the same exact thing but tell us about a time where you fell hard on your ass with a failure, something. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I learned from my failures, and I want to hear about a time oh, you yeah, failed yeah. hard and just what you learned from that failure, what it was, and you know how you got past it, and
1: what you know. Just. I mean, I've had a, Go I've ahead. had a lot of failures, you know, and that's one thing that I, I, tell my my cooks is, you know, I've always I've always been, you know, not that you want to fail, mm-hmm. but I've always been um, sort of like, hey, look, you know what, I failed. Okay, how can I learn from that? Mm. and I always tell my cooks, like, don't be afraid to succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big thing for us at the restaurant. That's always been a big thing. Of all the kitchens that I've run, it's like, hey, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't be afraid to fail. Of course not. Like, you're going to fail. It's just a fact like, don't be afraid to succeed. When you do something and you do it at, say, level five, and then tomorrow you do it at level seven, well, hey, look, you know what? Now I know that I can get level seven out of you, so you can't go back down. Level five. Mm. And that scares people a lot <laughs> to push themselves awesome, you know, to those levels. Yeah, I mean, you're getting, so, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, one of the big failures of my career, I mean, besides like my divorce, you know, is it was um, I was a chef, opening chef, and, and founder of the Nines Hotel in Portland, Oregon. And I worked for about nine months in an office on the, uh, on the job, um, just coming up with. You know, okay, here's the way our catering and banquet uh, facilities are going to go. Here's the, the first restaurant. Here's how room service is going to go. Here's how the second restaurant, here's how the lounge is going to go. All these different components. You know, we were open about seven weeks, I think it was. And, you know, I was in a bad head space and I blew up at management and management was like, yeah, later. You know, we're not going to take it. And I was fired.
0: So what was the um, cause of this bad headspace? What put you in this bad head space?
1: Just working too much, you know, and at that time, that was, what, 2008? So I was 32, going on 33 at that time. I was still, you know, under the guise like, yeah, you know what? I do great work when I'm working 80 and 90-hour weeks, you know, which is, you know, baloney. It's like, hey, 50, maybe 55 hours a week is good. And after that, you know, you're not really getting, you know, someone's, you know, their best. And so I was just working myself, working myself to death. Um, I had a newborn um, daughter at home. Uh, my daughter, Billy Van. So this is so, before the divorce. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's before the divorce. Um, we we uh, separated in 2011 and then divorced in 2012. But, um, you know, it's just like one of those things where, like, every little thing would set me off. Because, yeah, I'm working 100 hours a week. I'm mm-hmm. getting into the restaurant and into the hotel at 7.30 in the morning. I'm leaving at 12.30 at night. And I'm doing that seven days a week mm-hmm. um, for about two months. You know, the, the hotel company... Um, had told me like, hey, we want to do everything local, everything local. And somebody had come to me, one of the uh, one of the hires up um, out of Denver, and said, hey, look, we want to, you know, I know you're getting these awesome um, little gem lettuces from this farm on Sawdye Island, but hey, Food Services of America has this thing of bib lettuce, and they have a huge sale, and we could save a ton of money, meaning three or four hundred dollars, which isn't a ton of money to get it. And I was just like effing no way you know and that was one of my big failures you know and then it was told to my staff that i had just left so i had people that had come there and trusted in me to take their careers help their careers to the next level and they felt let down and i was just like wow i mean i've had many failures since too you know on a daily basis on a personal level but yeah you know it's one of those things like you you take it you're like okay what could i've done differently and now seven years later, and I'll be forty this year. I'm like, okay, here's um, we're about to expand foreign and domestic and go um, open in Houston hopefully early next year. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm it's a young man's game. I'm not I'm not standing on the line for eighty hours a week. Yeah. But how how do you make things happen and do that? You know, without doing that. And so yeah, I've, I've learned a lot from that and from other things as well awesome man
0: I think it was a great example and I, from what I've learned just from you know doing these interviews and listening to your story um, sometimes our strengths can be our weaknesses and it sounds like one of your strengths is just being a workhorse man you just putting in the hours and doing what it takes but when you do that that strength of just being able to put in those man hours can hurt your personal life and can get you into a place yeah. where you're just mentally not stable um, and you have to find that semblance of a balance between life and work and I think that I mean, that was maybe one of your failures is just going a little bit too hard. And, um, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, definitely. we can learn so much from that. And uh, I think that was just you know an incredible story. I felt like I was right there with you. Awesome stuff, man. Our, you know, heartfelt stuff. So uh, I feel like I know you now, Chef. And uh, we're going <laughs> to dive into the part of the interview that I've called knowledge bombs. And you're just going to blow us away with just restaurant bombs of knowledge. You ready for this? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> All right. The first question I have for you, what advice do you have for funding a restaurant, you know, getting that capital to start?
1: Um, you know, I would say I, the, the biggest advice that I have, you know, when, when somebody wants to start a restaurant or do something is, you know, I mean, there's always a joke. Hey, yeah, just, uh, you know, take the money and throw it in the river and mm-hmm. you'll have a lot, lot less headache and heartache. But one of the things that I always tell people is like your point of view. You know, and that's one of the things with Indie Chefs Week with Foreign and Domestic. It's like the point of view. Yeah. Make sure that you get your point of view across. Mm-hmm. You know, if you show your point of view and your passion, people will buy into it and then mm-hmm. people will come to your restaurant. That's the main thing for me. I'm like, I could care less about, you know, going and eat at 90% of the restaurants. I want to go somewhere that it's, you know, it's it's heartfelt. You know, you can, you can sense that, you know, somebody is back there caring. And it's totally different, you know, and totally different means it could be the exact same thing as restaurant A or maybe the exact same thing as restaurant B, but restaurant A, you know, you have your point of view, you know, and you're putting yourself out there on the plate and, you know, I'm going to go and eat that.
0: Awesome, man. I think that's so important. Great advice, you know, to have that clarity with your point of view and to make sure that passion is evident in that. Uh, I think, you know, pe- when looking for investors too, if they get, they'll pick up on that passion and, uh, they're, they'll be 10 times more likely to invest in somebody who just has that passion, has that clarity and knows what they want to do. Uh, so that's awesome yeah. stuff. Uh, what advice do you have for hiring good people, chef?
1: I think, uh, the biggest thing is, is, you know, you know, for, for young chefs, you know, um, the girls and guys out there, you know, that they're going to go through, you know, sort of the trials that we all go through that you're going to, this person is going to be awesome. That person's going to be great, you know, and they don't turn out to be. And mm-hmm. it's like, don't get bogged down, um, you know, in the fact that, you know, like hiring, you know, for the most part is a crapshoot. You know, there are different things that you can do, uh, but on a small level and small scale restaurants, you know, you don't, you know, it's basically yourself, you know, interviewing, reading resumes, overseeing stages. And so, you know, once you do find is it, really investing in, those people that you find that are good, that are honest, that are hardworking.
0: And I think that know, that kind of awesome. goes into the next question I have for you, chef is like once you find these great people that are good, what do you do to keep them on your team? How do you, like you say, invest in them?
1: Yeah. And you know, that's been, that's been difficult for myself, you know, just from the standpoint that I have a small, um, 1300 square foot, 42 seat restaurant and you're like, Hey, how, you know, um, we will be five years old. I have a CDC that's been with me for now. we Will be two years in August. Oh, wow. okay. And, you know, it's like, you know, he came on as a cook. Um, and basically I met his old chef. He was working at Empire State South and uh, as a cook. Cable was um, for Ryan Smith in, in Atlanta. And I met Ryan in New York like three years ago. And Ryan was like, oh, hey, one of my cooks I think is moving out to uh, Austin. I was like, sweet, we actually need a cook. And this was in December of 2012 and he's like oh he's not coming out for a couple months well that couple months turned into and I got an email um, like June of 2013 and I'm like well actually yeah we're still hiring you know we're trying to fill that void and the big thing is you know it's like then like okay you know what we have to expand one we have to expand just from the standpoint of I won't be able to retire just being the chef and and owner of this small restaurant you know I'm successful um you know and It's hard to, you know, tell yourself that. But then, two is also I want to be able to, like, see him progress and Mm -hmm. see how we can, you know, sort of, you know, use the best of his abilities. You know, and so right now we're coming up with a spring menu, and he's having a lot of control with that. Mm. You know, like, you know, and that's one of the ways it's like, hey, you know, this and that and that and this, you know, and do that. And then um, I have another cook, Krista, um, and she's been with me for about 15 months now. And yeah, she's like, Hey, look, why don't you, um, come up with a soup and something vegetable based that's going to be cold, chilled salad, whatever you want to call it. Um, perhaps. And she's like, Really? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to have to, you know, taste it and go through it. But yeah, you come up with it. You make something. I'll give you, you know, here's 50 bucks or a hundred bucks to go to the store and get little, you know, the vegetables and different things that you want to do for the soup and the you know, your plate, and you come up with the stuff, we'll taste it through, and then it'll be on the menu.
0: I love it, man. You know,
1: and... I'm
0: writing down notes that, right now. It's all good stuff, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the way right now, you know, that I'm, I'm able to to hold on to, you know, talented and energetic and great people. I mean, what I wrote down,
0: Chef, was uh, playing to their strengths and uh, making them feel like they can, you know, express their creativity. And I think those feed into the the human higher needs of just uh, self-actualization. And when you, I mean, we all know we don't make a shit ton of money in this industry, but when you can feed those other needs, uh, those, you know, higher needs, uh, you're more than likely to stick around with the place if you're feeling like you're just able to express yourself if your your strengths are being noticed and expressed I and mean, all that stuff is super valuable great stuff thank you for sharing
1: with us yeah um, and i think it, it's totally different from when when i was coming off you know it was like yeah, yeah you're not going to you know i'm like even ask you know why you know <laughs> it's like a big no no it's like what do you mean why like that's how we do it do it and what I think is the I what like, is yeah. the
0: significance of, of your your employees knowing why just really quickly uh you know
1: You know, for me, it's all about, you know, it's all about education, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want, you know, everybody to be, you know, I learned a long time ago from DuCasse and from Doug Saltis, you know what, you're never going to be as good as you are of your weakest cook, you know, that's as good as you're going to get, you know, so if your weakest cook is better than you, you're going to be awesome, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's what I try to tell, you know, and that's what I try to train my staff to be like, Mm -hmm. I would love to come in one day and be like, I can't cook like you guys. You know, I'm not this good because then, (laughs) hey, it's going out, it's going out far above my level, which would be amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, has that happened yet? No, but that's a great, you know, goal to go after.
0: Awesome. Um, great advice. And the next question I have for you, Chef, I mean, what's one book? I mean, I, I've noticed that to be successful, you really have to invest in constantly learning and investing in your mm-hmm. own knowledge. So can you share with us your favorite restaurant industry book, or maybe it's just a, a personal growth book or a, a book for, uh, I don't know, uh, accounting or anything, a good
1: resource that you just I want mean, to I one, mean, one book that I really love and I, I've read several times is um, Setting the Table um, by Danny Meyer. Yes, and I think that, you know, especially for back of the house, it's a great, you know, for for kitchen staff, it's a great book. Because it, it really, you know, one of the things that gets lost for for us cooks, and especially when you're coming up, is that the guest's true experience, you know, and it's not just about the food, mm-hmm. you know, it's about everything, you know, mm-hmm. everything working together, about the coffee service, about the bread service, about, you know, the chair the chairs, the ambiance, how loud the music is, the setting, all these different factors. And then, and that's all the factors that you can sort of control, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the service, the people who are serving, you know, just, yeah, uniforms play into that. And then all of a sudden, you put all that together, and you try to do it, and then you have to take in sort of that, that unknown every night, which is the guests themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I worked in a Danny Meyer restaurant in Pavla for two years um, at the start of my career, and um, 99 to 2000, it was like, yeah, you know, it was an eye-opener then. And it's a great thing. I just gave my general manager the book and said, hey, look, you know, we need to read this again and, you know, go through it and take some notes and tell me what you think, you know. And he just just dove in, you know, head first. It's just like, this is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's just a, just such a great book and almost like a reference tool.
0: Yeah, it really you know. is an, an awesome book. And uh, I don't know if you this, but they have it in audio version, too. And I am always telling people about the audio version. The audio version is awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's something you can do. Oh, can man, do. I <laughs> love clips on tape. Yeah, I mean, you, That's can be, awesome. you can be in your kitchen doing prep work, and you can just hit play and make everybody listen to that at once. And yeah. uh, it's a great book. <laughs> and uh, If you guys want uh, the, the links to that book will be in the show notes, just go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Ned Elliott, oh, cool. and you'll find all the links right there. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, Denny Meyer sitting at the table is a landslide uh, most referenced book on the show uh, great book so all right, the next question I have for you chef you're doing great man uh, what is your best marketing advice and I mean, I would like to just point out that you've had some incredible advice with social media and the impact of social media if used to mm-hmm. network and if you can yeah. go down that road, I think you'd make me a pretty happy guy what do you what, what advice do you have
1: for us for marketing you know I mean, I think really it's just being able to come up with, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's like your point of view. Like the one thing to do is to almost brand yourself, you know. And if, if you're a chef or if you're a restaurant owner, if you're a front-of-the-house person that owns a restaurant, you know, because there are all different restaurants out there. Some are owned by, you know, the person that's seating you every night. Some are, mm-hmm. the, you know, the person that's, you know, making your, your drinks. You know, whatever it is, you know, it's sort of – you need to make it yourself, you know, and that's sort of what I've made foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic, is me, you know, via my, like, my Twitter account for the restaurant, you know, and I've, I've been able to use that to, um, you know, meet tons and tons of great chefs. But people, like, you know, know, you know, me outside of, outside of Austin, as like, oh, okay, you're foreign and domestic. Well, not really that, but that's your restaurant. And I think it's a great thing to do is to brand yourself, mm. you know, in your restaurant as one. Um, I love it you know because it is sort of it's your home you yeah, know yeah. it is you you know and it, it, it's been a life's work for me to open my restaurant Um, you know and hopefully there are a few others you know and other concepts and, and things with other just sort of cooking styles that I like to do mm-hmm. but yeah it's like you know what like this is the, the way to do it and I think that, that and also too it's just you have to come across you have to be honest and humble to mm. be yourself you know I love it. You
0: know, I mean, you're giving us such great advice, and I feel like the one of the reasons why I love that answer um, is because, I mean, you can... Eat- Every no matter what business you're in, you need a unique selling proposition. That's the one thing that separates you from everybody else. What makes my restaurant different than anybody else? And you are the like you are the only version of you. And if you just be the best you can be at being yourself, um, that you can't get any more unique than that. And you just do what you love to do and do it great. Um, you're gonna you know you're going to stand out um especially if you just follow your passion and you know you do what you do uh like you say your I think you call it your what do you your um your POV or uh
1: yeah your point of view
0: yeah your point of view yeah man uh, it's great yeah. stuff and um I also just want to point out too I mean you're so active with social media uh I don't think you would have ever had this chefy cuisine, you know, in your corner if you didn't get out there and you didn't connect with people because you didn't know about this until you, uh, c- you know, connected with Ryan Smith. And I don't know if you guys connected through social media or if it was working together or what. But
1: yeah, um, that's basically yeah. We um, connected. I saw that you know we both follow each other on Twitter and saw him. It was like, oh hey, you're going to New York or you'll be in New York tomorrow. I'll yeah. be up there. I was like, hey dude, let's get uh, dinner. And he's like, oh I'm going all day. And I'm like sweet i was actually going to day too and he's like oh i'll call him and put us at the same table
0: yeah you know? man yeah and it really like in this industry marketing is all about how you engage and how you stay relevant with your community whether it's your immediate community or just the larger community of restaurants together and there's just so many opportunities you can come across just by putting yourself out there and engaging and i think uh, that's just a really valuable lesson we can all take away yeah awesome stuff um, so the the next question I have for you, Chef, is on the topic of technology. And um, we're kind of talking about it right now with social media and how to leverage that technology. But how important, in your opinion, are new technologies? And what are some of the services or products that you're using and seeing a return on investment? And, I mean, can you share any of these services with our community, with this, you know, collaboration? I
1: mean, you know, I mean, I think, one, you know, just like the social media, the technology in there is great. I think just one of the things that's you know return on investment is whatever the investment of just having to go whether it's a library or mm-hmm. buying a laptop or iPad or whatever and just getting on the internet mm-hmm. um, the internet is such a powerful tool now absolutely, and you know I mean even just ten years ago, you know um you know you have places like Noma and mugaritz and things like that, and restaurants like that that you know you can really go online and see what's going on mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that one of the the huge things that's going to be coming down the pipe pretty soon is um, uh, TV um, networks or restaurants having their own sort of feed via YouTube mm. <laughs> um, and so that you can you know go on a Saturday night and see how you know some of the great restaurants in the world operate, and you can see how people plate different things and so you can just and not necessarily for an in- information of hey, okay, now I know how they do it I don't need to go work there but more of just like, oh, wow, they set up like this, or, oh, wow, this is interesting, yeah. you know, and, and just seeing it and the entertainment value of it. Awesome, um, I love it. I mean, can you, you get know,
0: specific about any of the tools you use, maybe in-house, front-of-house, or back-of-house technology that you're leveraging uh, that you can, you know, give your... I mean, right
1: you? now, you know, we've switched up and gotten um, iPad-based um, POS, okay. um, our point-of-sale system. Um, you know, we switched up, we use a thing called Breadcrumb okay. that I think is really 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 helped us out just from the standpoint i think one it is alleviated sort of you know we used to have just one terminal now we have two yeah and we have a small restaurant but yeah. you know one i think that one it, it gets the tickets in quicker mm-hmm. um which is good and bad um you know then because all of a sudden you have a lot more <laughs> tickets at once <laughs> yeah. but at the same time too it's I, i've seen a, a huge switch like um i've been out doing some guest just dinners re- recently we just um three weeks ago switched over. And this past Saturday night, I noticed, um, you know, we were slammed. But the stress on the front of the house was, you know, so much less. And I think that stress had been created because of being jammed up there. And then all of a sudden that lets them be on the floor more, which means that they can have better interaction, which means that they can sell better.
0: Exactly. You know, know, the front of the house, that's your selling point. I mean, people, that's the face-to-face. That's uh, what people are seeing. I mean, you might be, you know, like – jams in the kitchen and I don't know if, if you have an open concept or not but um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah really, we have
1: an open, open yeah, kitchen
0: that you know that jam that like that's what's part of the experience the clinking and the people hustling and the focus I mean that adds all you know that's why we do the open concept but really like you, you, the customers don't really pick up on that as much as they would pick up if you're your server was in the weeds because that's the face-to-face that right. you pick up on those social cues. So, yeah, having that, you know, those those tools in the front of house to streamline operations, super valuable. And what what was the uh, the POS uh, system, you said? Crumbs? Crumbles?
1: Yeah, it's called Breadcrumb.
0: Breadcrumb. All right. That's the first time I've heard that on the show. So thank you so much for sharing it. Um, all yeah,
1: right, and it's awesome.
0: Yeah, cool, man. I'll have to check it out. So uh, we're getting close to the end. The next question I have for you, Chef, is... What is your best business advice? Uh, If you could go back in time where you maybe you just finished your time at uh, CIA and you're going to do your first dodge and you could see that version of yourself, that version of of Ned Elliott and say, hey, man, uh, if I could do one thing differently, this is what it would be and this is what you should do.
1: What would you tell your past self? You know, one of the things, so I mean, I didn't really – I started a lot on my days off um, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before I started CIA I was I, I worked for free at Aquavit underneath Marcus Samuelson um in ninety eight um, for like eight, nine months. Um, but I think one of the things I would I would s- sort of say, you know, is, is, is rather than going out and staging, you know, as like a full time job, I never mm-hmm. I never was afforded to be able to do that. Is sort of, you know, like when you get into a kitchen you know, the first six weeks to six months, it's like everything is shiny new. You're the new you know, the new person on the cold side or fish yeah. side or meat side, whatever it is. And then that wears off. And then it becomes, you know, mundane. And I, I, I really I tell all my cooks, and especially cooks that we get out of like culinary school, straight out of that, I'm like, embrace the mundane. Mm-hmm. I mean, the quicker that you understand that and the quicker that you understand that there are going to be tasks that you're going to do every day for the rest of your life when you're in a kitchen, you know, of mincing garlic, mincing mm-hmm. a shallot. And really embrace that. And how, you know, like how do you embrace that, Chef? I almost I almost think I mean I, I started it's two thousand fifteen and like two thousand two, two thousand one. Um you know, I was like cutting an onion, um, to do like Julianne, a julienne onion, and I was just like this is fucking awesome. I was just like, "Hey, wait a second! How can I like sit here? I still have to do these fifteen pounds of red onions Julianne and have to do them within like the next like whatever five ten minutes. I forget how much, you know, probably ten minutes, twelve minutes. I'm like, I still have to do that, but you know what? I'm going to sort of race myself, and I'm going to see if like wait if I try it this way, will this go quicker? And well, you know, and you just do different things um, to sort of mix it up mm-hmm. and keep the mind busy. But it's also, too, it's one of those things that you start thinking about, and you're like, this this beautiful onion, you know, this beautiful red onion, and, like, this is, you know, two of them are never the same, mm-hmm. but the flavor and all of this different stuff, and what am I going to do to it today, and you know, all that stuff. And, and I think that the more that you think about that, you know, the better. And I think also, too, a great piece of advice is, you know, there there's, comes a time when you're on, at a restaurant and you're like, nah, I know everything, I need to leave. And I always tell my chef, and my, my cook's, like, hey, do six more months. I'm like, and tell me what you can because you know what? You came in and you learn everything that is given to you. That six mm-hmm. months after you think that you've learned everything, now you take it upon yourself to learn for the next six months.
0: I love it, Jeff. I mean, and when you
1: do that, it's like, holy shit, I just learned so much because I forced myself to learn. And when um, you do that, Everything is
0: gravy. Man, it's awesome. And I just, I mean, so many like little things just, I think when you do that, when you force yourself to love those slow moments, I like cutting an onion, but I mean, when you force yourself to see how you can do it better, uh, you really pay attention to the detail. And uh, it's when you pay attention to the detail and you and you challenge yourself that you begin to improve. Like you know, like you said, to see how you can do it better, to really appreciate the little things that make this industry you know so awesome. Why we love doing what we do and awesome, yeah. awesome advice. And the the last question I have for you is: What is one question you think should have been added to this interview that would have added more value?
1: Huh? I mean, I think it's great. You know, you don't have like the the normal like hey, so what got you into cooking? You know, It's more of like, hey, when did you see that you were actually going to do this for a career? Um, Thank you. I don't know. I mean, I I guess maybe a little bit more on what what actually foreign and domestic is, but then again, that's such like, I have no idea. (laughs) I have a restaurant that will be open for five years and a couple of months, and I'm like, I have no idea what my restaurant is, which isn't a good thing business-wise, but it's like, I just want to serve good, tasty food. Mm. You know, so I think you know, I, I think the, the questions were right on, man.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to wrap it up now. We wrap it up by having you uh, call somebody out. Who's one restaurant professional? And I know you have a deep network. So, who's one indie restaurant professional, front of house or back of house, who you just admire and think would make a great mentor to the show?
1: Um, Doug Saltis. I think Doug Saltis of RPM Italian in Chicago and also RPM Steak. Just amazing. An amazing guy, amazing cook, and an amazing friend.
0: Doug Saltis uh, of RPM, man, look out. I'm coming after you. We're going to try to get you on the show. And, Chef, now um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give yourself in your restaurant a final pitch. If there's anyone out there listening and they think that, you know, they would like to come work for you, or they're in the Texas area or they're anywhere, but that it's really resonated with your advice, uh, leave us your contact information, an email, or the best way to connect to get a future job.
1: Yeah, you know, it's Ned Elliott, and uh, my restaurant is foreign and domestic. We're located here at 306 East 53rd Street in Austin, Texas. And my um, best way to get, get in contact with me, whether you want to come eat or come stars, looking for a job, front of the house, back of the house, whatever it may be, is info at fndaustin.com. That's the letters, fndaustin.com.
0: Awesome. And how can we find out more about Indie Chef Week?
1: Yeah, if you go to um you can find out. Everything. And, uh, hopefully later this summer, we'll be doing it, um, in Toronto, a four day run up there. And then we'll be back, um, down South whether it'll be Austin or Miami, Florida in January.
0: Awesome, man. Um, I, I really love what you guys are doing with that. And, uh, anything I can do, no problem. anything I can do to help spread the word, you just let me know. And, uh, I mean, it's just great stuff. So thank you so much. I mean, there's no questioning, Chef, that you are Unstoppable. Uh, If you guys want to check out the show notes, just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Ned Elliott. We'll have the links to the references that he had and to uh, his contact information all right there. Thank you so much, Chef. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for joining us today here at Restaurant Unstoppable. If you guys found value... In today's episode, and you want more episodes just like this, you can help me out simply by shooting me an email at eric at restaurantunstoppable.com and tell me who you think would make a great guest on the show. I will do everything humanly possible to get them here to share their stories and their advice with us or just simply tell me what you think the show is missing, what can make it better, and I will listen to your advice and I will do what I can to make this show the best it can possibly be. Lastly, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They're helping so much. Thank you so much if you guys have left reviews. Uh, you have no idea uh, how far that goes. All right, guys, until next time, peace out.
1: There, beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, I, I uh, think you were great. You really. How do you feel? Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. A lot of fun.
0: Good. I'm happy. Uh, I'm mean, to hear that. I'm, you know, I'm very happy that you did the show and you're feeling under the weather. I really do appreciate you taking the time.
1: And um, no, no, thank you, man. Thanks so much for reaching out and thanks for uh, having me.
0: Yeah, do you know? You know how I found out about you, right? Uh, what, Matty? Yeah, yeah, man. He's an awesome guy. He was. Uh, he and his uh, general manager Alexis were both on the show. They're great people. And oh, cool. Yeah, man, and right. I i was thinking, uh, I think I could help you know, spread the word, not that you guys need any help, you know, you're doing a great job. Oh, we'd love
1: to, man, we can use all the help we can get.
0: Yeah, but uh, I was just thinking, like, if if you want to connect me with some of the, the chefs you have featured in your group, some of the guys who...
1: Yeah, know, definitely, man, I will, um, let me get a, uh, I'll just get a list and email it off to you, Yeah. and they're all, you know, 99.9% of them are, whatever, 95 of them are are pretty, uh, you know, accommodating. There's a couple of guys that may be a little uh, prickly, but, you know, <laughs> for the most see. part, everybody's pretty uh, pretty outgoing. Cool,
0: man. Well, I'll I'll put together an email that I'll send you kind of explaining how I can cool. with you and what I'm trying to accomplish and how we can, you know, uh, both, you know, how I can spread the word about what you're trying to do. And if you want to forward it on to uh, those who you think would be a good fit, uh, we can take it from there.
1: Yeah, I'll do that.
0: Awesome, man. And uh, I'll uh, shoot you an email uh, reminding you about the picture, and uh, this should go live next week.
1: Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, Eric.
0: No, my pleasure. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. All right. Have All right, a good take one. Take care, Chef. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.